Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Minoya. Join me each week as Susanna Fleming and I probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Anchored and Reaching. This is Susanna Fleming, and I'm here with Kevin Minoya. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you again. Yeah, we're excited to have another conversation with you, and this week we are debriefing Kevin's teaching on the word is more than words, and if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that, just go back to the episode right before this titled The Word is More Than Words. We're going into the Bible and how we really process the Bible's infallibility, the Bible's inspired nature, all of these really, really big words. But if you've ever been in a context where a church said, we're a Bible-believing church, and you ask the question, okay, what does that mean? We go into that and, and go into some very um, helpful language that will hopefully allow us to have this conversation better and more well-informed than just throwing around a bunch of words that we don't really know what they mean. And that happens a lot. Have you ever heard people say the Bible is is inerrant. I have. Yeah, I have too. And we use that word all the time. I hear it all the time. And I always wonder, what do you mean when you say that? And do you even know what you mean when you're saying that? And that's what Kevin goes into in this last episode. So Kevin, yeah, you want to give like a quick little just one minute summary of what you're talking about. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah. So the the important words to recognize here are... As Suzanne already mentioned, the word inerrancy uh, that you talk about is one that has a lot more baggage to it than you think. You know, it's not just, you know, it's more than it seems, I guess. And then there are other words that I think are really important to understand. Infallibility, authoritative, inspired, and inerrant. Those are four key words. And the problem is that sometimes we conflate those or we kind of dump the meaning of all of them into one of them, and then we miss the nuances of what they each mean. And when we use them, we get into some of the the, the baggage that they result in. So we, what we're trying to do is, uh, Suzanne, I think what we want to do is we're trying to understand clearly what each of those words means, and that helps us to decide Uh, kind of our platform when we read the Bible and when we teach the Bible. So Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of undermining any of them. It's just understanding what they all mean. And of course, you know, I have my bias and I think I was pretty clear with my bias last week in the last episode. And you may have your bias and I can't wait to find out what your (laughs) bias is. And other people who are listening have their bias. But we just need to make sure we understand what words mean instead of just sort of assuming everybody knows and then winding up in a big argument. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, the reason why this matters, we're not just talking about terms that have no meaning. Like we're talking about when you sit down and you read your Bible in the morning, what do you believe it does? And where is there room for nuance? And how can you articulate that to your friends as you're talking about how to live a a life that is centered around the Word of God? Because that's what we want to do as Christians. Uh, We don't want to throw that to the side, but we want to actually know what that means for us so that we can more fully live that out. Yeah. So uh, I just want to go over a couple interesting points that you made 
in that podcast just to refresh people's memory. Yeah. You said that the Bible is infallible, which means that it will not return void. That is so important. No matter what we're talking about when it comes to the Bible, we need to remember that God's word goes out and it does what it was intended to accomplish. And we see that literally from Genesis, God spoke the world into existence. It's why it's so powerful that God gave us a written word. Like just from a philosophical perspective, how amazing that God gave us a written word and he also spoke the world into existence. Yeah, I love that. It's part of the reason why I'm a communication person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and frankly, the faith that we exercise, our faith in God is our faith in the fact that when God gives something, it will not fail. It mm-hmm. will accomplish what it's intended to accomplish. So we can ha- we we can live our lives in a lot of faith that the Bible is going to fulfill everything that God intended for it to fulfill. I mean, to me, that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty secure. Mm-hmm. It is secure, but the key there is that it will fulfill everything God intended for it to fulfill, yeah, and not point. everything that we think that the Bible says that it's going to fulfill. <laughs> so, for example, as just like a really low hanging fruit, the Book of Revelation a lot of different interpretations of that book, you can you know, hang your hat on, this is exactly the way that it's going to happen according to the way that scripture said it, but it will fulfill what God intended it to fulfill. And in our limited human understanding, we're not necessarily equipped to make that call, right? Yeah. So I think that's an important differentiator. Yeah. And what's really interesting about what you just said, Susanna, is that uh, all of the differences in opinion about what Revelation is saying, or even other parts of Scripture, all of those things notwithstanding, uh, that's a big word, um, that, um, uh, even with all of the diversity of how people interpret the book of Revelation, God's purpose for giving the word through the book of Revelation will be accomplished. God's right. purpose is going to be, even with all that, and see, that's what's so beautiful about it is that that this thing that we call Christian faith and even the church is so diverse, and even how we approach the Bible is so diverse that God can still fulfill his purposes through all that diversity. It doesn't have to yes. be the way you think or the way I think. And that's, I love that so much because, and I'll talk more about my journey a little later, but when I was first processing through, okay, what does the Bible mean for my life? And okay, I shouldn't take this literally, but does that mean I shouldn't take this literally? And, you know, just all of the processing that you go through, I remember feeling like scripture maybe wasn't as valuable as I had thought, but the reality is that it is so valuable. It's going to accomplish the purposes God created it for. And that means that even if there's a passage that you don't understand and you're literally like scratching your head, God, I don't get what this means. And there's so many differing opinions on it. You can still read it out loud and receive the blessing from it. You can still meditate on it and ponder on it because in and of itself, it has intrinsic value as God's word, even if we don't understand what it means. Yeah. And isn't that, I mean, isn't that really an act of faith? Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's where faith really uh, rubber meets the road, is when we say, I don't understand it, but I know God's going to fulfill his purpose through it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So infallible. I know that these are big words, guys, but try to get them in your head because it'll help you when you're communicating with people about what you believe about scripture. Infallible, it will accomplish what God intends it to. Authoritative. Um, so as Kevin said, that's not autocratic. It's not authoritarian. And actually, I was thinking maybe you did do a good amount of conversation around that. But what does that mean practically? Does that mean that uh, we're not looking at the Bible for a list of rules? Like, would that be too simplistic of a way to describe that? 
Yeah, I suppose. I guess the way I approach that is, first of all, we can't look at the Bible uh, as a book that's going to give us answers to every single question we have. I mean, God gave mm-hmm. us brains for that, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we can't look at the Bible as a science book, for example, as a math book. We can't look at the Bible as a book um, that teaches us how to learn languages. We look at the Bible in terms of its substance for faith and live and life, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and so when we talk about being authoritative, we're talking about something that says, if, if there's any questions about the trajectory of your life and the condition of your life, the Bible is going to speak to it. And that's the ultimate authority on faith and life, the mm-hmm. trajectory of your life and the condition of your life. So you might read about something in a book on leadership, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a popular book that you've picked up off the shelf uh, that you read on leadership. Well, they may have some suggestions about the trajectory and condition of your life. Does that fit with the Bible? Because the Bible is all about faith and life. Right. And if there's a difference, then man, go with the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't look at the Bible as if it's somehow uh, going to answer questions uh, that that we have about the the details of of technology or science or things like that. We're looking at the principles, the fundamental substance of life. That's what mm-hmm. it's authority, and it's the best authority on all of that. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And it, it provides us a relational window, right? Like a, a relational understanding of who God is. So even where there's not like a, an exact list, because I have that question all the time. I wish like back when I was like single, single, why doesn't the Bible give explicit instructions about how to yeah. go about the dating process, for example? I mean, yeah, that's what something is a single, lot of, single, by the way? So, well, now I'm in a relationship. So I was like... So some people think single, you're either single or you're married, but like, I'm not single, but I'm not married. So. Oh, I see. So single, single <laughs> yeah, is single, a new single. term. Okay. So you're teaching me new terms here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually made that one up, but I, people will understand <laughs> okay. what I mean. But back when I was like single, like d- dating around or whatever, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. and it, it's so stressful for Christian singles in the world yeah. today. I hear conversations about it all the time. Well, what is the right way to actually do this? What is the quote unquote biblical way to actually do this? It's important that we recognize that the Bible doesn't have like a list of rules for us. And you're not actually going to find all that stuff in scripture. What you will find are wisdom principles, principles um, of the way of God's character. And then that helps you to figure out how to live your life. Um, And I, so I think that fits into that category of it being authoritative, like it helps us. And we, we go to our authority who is God who, and then the Bible given to us, but it's not this autocratic list of things. God who made us, So the next thing that we have is the Bible is inspired. This is a really important one to remember to keep in your hat. Like the Bible was ultimately inspired by God how that happened may be slightly up for interpretation. And you didn't yep. really go into that so much, no. Kevin. Maybe we don't need to, but there are different beliefs about that, right? Did um, God word for word dictate to the people who were writing the different portions of scripture? Um, and so word for word, uh, was it more of a, a relational inspiration? Uh, I heard a teaching yesterday where they were talking about the 
um, armor of God and how when Paul was writing about the armor of God, he was in prison. And so he was looking at the um, soldiers who were wearing the different armor pieces and that potentially helped inspire the metaphor, which was also inspired by God. So there are different ways you can look at it. I personally fall more into that mixture way. The Bible is both divine, it is human, it is equally inspired um, by God, but also infused with our humanity in a way that makes it really beautiful and rich. Um, but no matter what, it is inspired. So no yeah. matter where you fall on that, that's one thing we can't lose. Yeah. Anything and I, to say on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would agree with you 100%. Various modes of inspiration, but ultimately, no matter what the mode is, it comes from the heart of God. And to me, the source of anything coming from God gives it all the credibility it needs, gives it all the authority it needs. When it comes from God, and we agree that it comes from God, uh, it doesn't matter the mode. And frankly, you know, I think there are some reasons why certain different certain modes are probably not the not consistent with God's pattern. But that's just my thinking, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, the the dictation theory, for example, is one that I have a really hard time under, uh, believing or or agreeing that a God who allows for the personality of people to flourish would somehow take them over and kind of move their hand the way God wanted to move their hand. Right. I believe, as you do, that there's more of this mixture of personality and presence and circumstance and all of that. So, so yeah, there are different modes, but I, I really do think that the source coming from the heart of God is what gives the Bible its, its credibility, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yes. But then this is where it gets a little messy and where I would like to have some conversations with you because we talked about those, you talked about those three things, and then we talked about inerrancy, which yeah. is which is talking about the actual perfection of the text. Right. Um, And as you said, it can be distracting from the main point, which is that this comes from God, it has authority in our lives, and we can get super fixated on, no, every single word has to be inerrant, it has to be perfect. Um, A lot of Christians believe that. You see it across, across a lot of denominations. I understand the temptation to want to say that, because when you don't say that, it can open up a world of nuance that it's very, you have to handle so cautiously and open handedly before the Lord. And I know for me, just speaking really honestly, when I was in college and I first started thinking through the idea that there were textual errors potentially in certain parts of um, the, the text and like some of these things are so minor that they wouldn't affect theology at all. But then you start to actually look at the different versions and different (laughs) translations of the Bible. And you look at the difference between the new revised standard version and the ESV. Um, they had different theological starting points when they were translating these texts. They had different people on the boards who were translating these texts. When you start to look at these things and you realize that a difference in a word actually makes a difference in the way that you interpret that passage, it gets a little bit stressful and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you can't be blind to the fact that this is happening if you're doing any type of study at all. Right. So that part stresses me out a little bit, Kevin. What do you think about that? Well, I'm glad it does. <clears throat> yeah. you know, I hope we, I hope we all live with a little bit of stress because what to me, what that is, is that's the human desire to put everything in a tidy box tied up with a nice bow 
and control it and create our faith in the image that we think it ought to be created, that we can control, we can define, we can describe. It's that on the one hand. On the other hand, it is releasing our faith into this God who is bigger than any of our patterns of thinking can even fathom and allowing God to be God and to surpass any of our expectations, any of our processes, any of our uh, limitations, you see. So the tension that you just mentioned is a tension between uh, our human effort to control and define and and the reality that Christian faith comes from God, and we live into that faith as we release ourselves to the unfathomable, unfathomable expanse of God. So that tension is always going to be there. We walk a life of tension. Mm-hmm. You know, do we emphasize Jesus more than the Spirit? Do we emphasize gifts more than than fruit? Do we emphasize? I mean, there's all kinds of tensions in our Christian faith. So when you talk about living in a little bit of a tension, I think that's a good thing. What my concern is that we not fall prey to trying to contain the Bible in such a limited box that we can defend every single jot and tittle, so to speak, as the scripture calls it, every single literary um, uh, turn of phrase in the Bible and say that it is without error. Well, that, that to me is a little difficult because the temptation then is that anytime anybody challenges any part of scripture, we're going to come to the defense of scripture. And we're going to, with a fist on the, de- on the desk, going to say, no, the Bible is without error. The Bible is inerrant. If, if you take one part of the Bible and give it and, and allow for an error, then the whole thing needs to be thrown out. Well, that's ridiculous. We, we, never, we don't do that with anything else. Why would we do that with the Bible? Mm-hmm. You know, um, there, remember that the Bible will accomplish God's purpose, irrespective of how we happen to interpret various parts of it. Remember that the Bible is inspired by God. It comes from God's heart, irrespective of how we have put it together in the 400s, in the, in, in the, the 5th century, when the canonization process happened, and how we have translated it, and whether we have maintained accurate translations— um, the Bible still comes from the heart of God, and it's it's the, the 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 power, legitimacy, and influence of the Bible is not dependent on the fact that everything within it is without error. It's dependent on the fact that it comes from God, and mm-hmm. it will accomplish God's purposes. Yeah, and I love that, and I think we have to keep going back to that. But there is this reality in which I mean, I agree with you that we don't typically throw out an entire book if there's an if we find a few minor errors sure. and we shouldn't but for the user the end user which would be you and I on you know a monday morning reading our bibles and trying to figure out how to live our lives it could produce a, an underlying level of anxiety not just tension but anxiety like how how do we live out this passage of scripture if we're not even clear what it means i mean the easiest one for me to go to cuz i think about it all the time are all of the passages about women and their roles in the church and how that's so that's such a divided conversation and people are genuinely trying to live out what they believe the Bible to say, but they're interpreting it so wildly different. And for me, I mean, that kind of produces a, a little bit of lack of certainty in the Bible. 
Yeah. And I pray all the time. I'm like, God, why did you make this so complicated for humans to figure out? And my only, my only conclusion is that maybe I'm going to the Bible for the wrong things. <laughs> right? what, do you, what do you mean by that? That's a good well, statement. That's an interesting statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a raw statement and it's, you know, you guys are going to get the raw, the raw version of it, but I always love the idea that we're not supposed to read the Bible. The Bible's supposed to read us. And this really like relational reading of the Bible where we're meditating on the words where yes, we're doing our best to apply the principles of the text to our lives, but more than anything, like primarily the Bible is to be this, this, um, way that I relationally understand God and connect with God. And so if I'm going to the Bible for a list of exact ways that I should live my life in 2023 in San Diego, California, I'm probably not going to find that. But if I'm going to the Bible for people describing the way that they lived their lives in accordance with God's direction in the first century, and then and then wrestling with that and going before God and how can I apply that to my life today, that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, very different thing. And again, what you're doing, I think, is you're you're um, dividing or you're creating a clear distinction between the text itself and the intent of the text, right, right of the book. I mean, um, I don't even know if I told you this, but I just recently came out with a new book, right? And it's called yes. Expressing Life. It's a primer on the integration of faith and learning, and it's uh, designed for people who have interest in in learning, education, particularly in higher education, and how we bring our faith into the learning context. Well, that book, um, I read it through multiple times. The various editors read it through multiple times. My son read it through. My wife read it through multiple times. Every time any one of us read it through, we found an error. You know, there was a mistake. There was a typo. There was something out of place or whatever. I still believe that even now that it's out, it's being sold and, 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 and it's completed, there are probably still going to be errors in that. If that throws people off from the fundamental purpose of that book, then I'm sunk, right? I mean, that, that book is not going to do anything. It's not going to accomplish anything. But if people read that book and say, you know, I see the typo here. I see the error here. I see the poor use of grammar there. Hopefully there's not too many of those. Um, but I get the point and I understand substantively what's being said here. See, that's how we read books. Now, again, I don't ever want to compare myself to what God has done through the Bible. But my point is that the human hand has been involved in the the writing of scriptures from the beginning. Right. And if we honestly believe that God worked through the prophets and the priests and the kings and the apostles and the writers, if he worked through their lives and their circumstance, then we've got to accept the reality that there are probably going to be perceptions or turns of phrases or things that aren't accurate in representing the facts, but they are completely in alignment with representing the substance and purpose for which God inspired that to begin with. Mm -hmm. I think that's super well said and something I was going to bring up too, because we're not just talking about any book here. 
I mean, like your book is probably amazing, Kevin, but we're not just talking about a man written book or a woman written book. We're talking about a book that is inspired by God. And so I think people are like, oh yeah, that's all good and well, but isn't this supposed to be perfect because God is perfect. But I want to remind everybody (laughs) that the whole like amazing thing about our faith as Christianity that sets us apart from every other religion legitimately is the interaction between human and divine when it comes to Oh, I don't know, the incarnation, like like Jesus was fully God in human flesh, like fully man as well. That's wild. And so it shouldn't surprise us so much that the Bible has that element as well and has this fully divine but fully human element to it. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe a last point that I want to underscore. I think I mentioned this last in the last episode, but one quick last point as we wrap up here. Um It's not just a matter of how we look at the Bible. It's the effect of how we look at the Bible has on our outlook on life. In other words, if I'm if I am focused disproportionately on ensuring that the Bible is without error, it's going to create in me a a mentality and a disposition toward life that is very investigative that is very bounded, you know, it can't cross a line of error, and it's going to be probably somewhat adversarial. Because anybody who doesn't agree with me or doesn't agree with how I view the Bible, I'm going to argue with them to prove that they're wrong. It creates this adversarialism. It creates this almost an acrimony uh, between people. So how we approach the authority of Scripture does have an impact on the disposition of our life, the condition of our outlook, and the relationships that we have. We're going to approach relationships in a, in a defensive, argumentative way if we are here to defend, if we're trying to defend the Bible as if it needs defense, right? I'm one mm-hmm. who believes the Bible needs no defense. It's God's document. It comes from God's heart. We don't need to defend it. God will defend it, and God will accomplish his purposes. So let's embrace the intent of Scripture. Let's embrace, as you called it, the relational dynamic that he's trying to communicate here and not turn us into people who are constantly arguing and dividing and acrimonious and adversarial in our outlook on life. I think that's really, really good. Remember remember the posture. Remember that if there's, yeah, I was going to go into like the fruit metaphor. If there's bad fruit coming from the posture that you have, like adjust, adjust yeah, posture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I do want to say, just practically speaking, for anybody who's like, okay, great, so how do I read the Bible now? How do I study this um, issue that I've been trying to figure out? I would just recommend that you kind of mix it up with how you read the Bible in different seasons or on different days. So for example, you could have one day where you're doing a Lectio Divina reading, which is an ancient practice. You're you're listening as you read, you're journaling, you're um, doing that relational reading of scripture. And then you might have another day where you say, okay, I'm going to do a Bible study today and I'm going to look at different commentaries and I'm going to look at different versions of the way that this verse shows up across various translations. That's super healthy to do just in general because then you get a wider understanding of what the text is trying to stay instead of getting hyper fixated on the one word that you're trying to figure out. I think even if you don't walk away with 
a, this is a hundred percent what this verse is saying. You're going to have a really good general idea and that's going to help you as you live things out. And ultimately it's okay to take a stance on something, even if it's not completely clear, just to create some peace in your mind, but always do so with humility, (laughs) understanding that more than likely we are wrong about a lot of things. There's a a speaker that I really love. Well, John Mark Comer, he would always say before he preached at Bridgetown, he would say, I'm not like a hundred percent sure that, or what did he say? He's like, I'm 90% sure that I'm 90% right about everything I'm going to say. The problem is I don't know which part is the 10% and which part is the 90%. And that kind of humility is how we should read scripture yeah, and interact with people. That's a really good point. Thank you, Susanna. That's really wonderful. Hey, as we wrap up here, uh, can we just take a second and really encourage people that we want to hear from them? Um, yes. Is that okay? I mean, first of all, is it okay to be quite so uh, self-promoting uh, by us to ask you to share the podcast? Subscribe and share. Isn't that what you're supposed to say? Subscribe yeah. <laughs> and share. Share it with people. We are just so anxious that this... We've been getting really good feedback from a number of people saying that this is really helpful. So would you just share it with as many people as you know how to share? And then feedback. I think it's podcast at anchoredandreaching.com. Is that right? I think that's right, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can also leave reviews on the platforms that this is posted on. Obviously, you guys know that. You can leave reviews on Spotify, on um, iTunes, but that's really helpful because it just helps people know what kind of podcast this is and if they're even wanting to listen to it. And our goal is that you would be helped as you process through all of these different things, like a little quick summary you know, Bible study podcast, but like actually going into some of these issues that we process through, these are things that we learned in seminary or we learn, you know, in these, these settings that a lot of people don't get to be in. So we want to bring that to you. I'm looking forward to being back with you in the next episode and I hope you'll join us. Hope you share and uh, God bless you all. See you later, Susanna. Hope you have a really good week. (laughs) Thank you. You too. See everyone later. Bye-bye. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created.